If you turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Genesis 35, and I just want to talk about, I don't even know how to title this, but just maybe a few thoughts. We're going to jump around at a couple Bible, Bible verses, and a few things that Paul says about the gospel in Romans 15, about his ministry of the gospel that really spoke to my heart, and speaks to the privilege and the sacredness of what we do and what God has called us to do as a church in this present age. Genesis 35, verse 14 and 15. And we see Jacob here. Jacob has, his name has been changed from Jacob to Israel. Uh, This is a momentous event in his life. Uh, God is speaking to him very deeply about his future God is saying, I'm going to, uh, nations and kings are going to come from you, Jacob. And this is some really big talk here, really big promise that God is speaking. And I think that, you know, whenever I see a character like this, like Jacob, I just put myself in his place. And I want to hear God speak to me like this. And Jacob set up a pillar. And, you know, I was thinking about pillars, and I was thinking about the pouring out of water and oil, and how Paul talks about it. And we see here that Jacob, he initiates for the first time what is called a drink offering. Later on in the Law of Moses, this is a special offering that the people of God make unto the Lord. And Jacob here is told, uh, forsake all of your idols, forsake all your family idols, forsake all of that, step aside. And then he says, says, purify yourselves uh, and change your garments. And we know without getting into this, this is what the finished work does to us. It removes all of our idols. It removes everything. It removes the dirty garments and it purifies us. And it prepares us for the great promise of God's calling in in Jacob's life, in our life as a New Testament believer. And so Jacob here sets up a pillar in the place where where he had spoken with him. And as Heather was speaking last night about when that moment God spoke to her, she was released and was reminding her of how God spoke to her I thought about this pillar, and pillars are just an amazing thing in the Bible. There are these altars, there are these pillars, there are these places where, where it says in Genesis 35 that God, that Jacob built a pillar where God had spoken with him. And the scene is that God speaks, and then it says, it, it's, almost like, it's almost like you see something in Acts chapter 1 or Acts chapter 2, God ascends, and then, and then, and then Jacob builds this pillar. And this pillar is a statement, it's a monument, it's an altar. And what, is, what does Jacob do? He pours a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. So there's a drink offering, and there's oil. And I was thinking about these two things in the life of the believer in our ministry, in the Gospels, that, you know, when we look at stone, when we look at a pillar, what are we thinking of? We're thinking about, we're thinking about the rock in Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're thinking about the rock that Jesus says, I'm the rock. Upon this church, I will build my, I mean, upon this rock, I will build my church. And I think about this pillar, that this pillar is the rock. This pillar is Jesus Christ. And so here's Jacob at this amazing moment of promise and calling and sense of destiny in, in Jacob's life that, that there's something so huge that God is calling Jacob into in such a lonely period of Jacob's life that Jacob, what he does is he takes this pillar, which is a picture of Christ, and he pours out a drink offering. And he pours out this drink offering onto the, onto the pillar. And then he pours oil on it, which just speaks of 
so many New Testament pictures. This reminds us, doesn't it, of Mark chapter 14 when the woman that, you know, in several instances we see a woman either washing the feet of Jesus with her tears and then breaking an alabaster box over Jesus. Mark 14, this alabaster box, this woman has had a revelation in her heart of the nature and the character of who Jesus Christ is. And she comes into this room and I, I can I can only imagine just the scorn and the judgment and the disqualification that people are just casting mentally on her. Like, what is this woman doing in our midst at Simon the leper's house? And she comes in and she's just so oblivious to all of that. She's oblivious to the complexities of, of people's opinions about her life. And she's just oblivious to everything that, that people are thinking about her. And she just is focusing on one thing, that pillar, Jesus Christ, the rock in her life. And she comes and she pours out with her tears a drink offering on his feet. And she pours out on her head. And I know I'm combining a couple stories. She pours out on his head an alab- the, the oil from an alabaster box. And we know that historically, the oil, the, the, the fragrance from this alabaster box is a fragrance that, that could be smelled on a person for seven, up to seven days. And as Jesus is marching through the last week of his life, there's this fragrance coming from him. As he stands before Pilate, there's this fragrance coming from him. As he stands before the people and they're saying, crucify him, there's this fragrance coming from Jesus Christ. And then as he's, as he's on the cross and that, and that just the carnage and the, this, you know, the horrible mess of, of, of what is left of the body of Christ on that cross, there's this fragrance and it's a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about what Paul said in Romans chapter 15. He said this in verse 18, uh, verse 16 through 21. You don't need to turn there because I want to wrap this up. To be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles. And I was just thinking about the gospel. We're finishing, we finished last week the study of the book of Romans. And Paul here says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And then he says this, in the priestly service of the gospel of God. The priestly service of the gospel. Paul looked at himself as a priest. And what he did with the gospel was a priestly service. And there's two ways to read this. A priestly service to Christ and a priestly service to the Gentiles. As we were hearing about the Rockies yesterday, the Kurds, and we just all sensed in the room the love of Christ for these people. And I don't think there's a dry eye in the room. I mean, I, I know we had businessmen in here last night, and they're like weeping like baby. It was just unbelievable. It was such a visitation. When Jesus Christ comes and reveals to us his heart for a people group, you know, when the Macedonian man appears to Paul, you know, we don't read of any Macedonian man ever getting saved. But the Macedonian man really is Jesus Christ himself, isn't he? You know, when we think of the Kurd, and the Kurd looks at us, with those eyes that, that they have and this look on their face, it's Christ staring at us, saying, come over and help us. Come over and help me. When we think of a Hispanic, when we think of a Mexican, when we think of a Turk, when we think of an American living in Texas, looking back at us, our neighbors, they're looking at us and it's Jesus Christ saying, come over and help us. Come over and help us. And so Paul has this priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. There's so much amazing talk here about the end times when when, we're, when we are all with Christ during his millennial reign and there is this offering, there is this presentation 
of all the peoples and nations of the world at the throne of God, and they're presenting their offering to God, and it's acceptable because Paul brings the gospel to them. And he said here in Christ Jesus in verse 17, Then I have made reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except for what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed by the power of signs and wonders. You know, I was thinking about signs and wonders, and that's like something that so many people, I think, you can find in American Christianity that are really seeking after that, signs and wonders. On 45, there's this big billboard as you're going north towards the woodlands. There's this big sign. It says, signs and wonders here. There's like a big arrow pointing down at like this building, you know? And I thought, you know, the signs and wonders, we heard that last night. We just heard about the signs and wonders of, of the amazing things that God had done. And then the signs and wonders of the simple thing, too, of like a guy like this, like we heard last night about Gideon, who had just received Christ two weeks beforehand, never seen a TV or a movie before. And it's the first time he sees a movie, and it's about, it's about Christ, the story of Christ. And he says, you know, the words that we heard last night, that the, the, the words of this man are, are just everything. And, you know, when you think about that, you think about the the signs and the wonders of a changed life by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. And this is what I wrestle with. I'm going to finish with this. I wrestle with this as a pastor, pastoring in the States. You know, I wrestle with this because... On one hand, I'm really blessed to be here and privileged to be a priest of the gospel of God here in the woodlands in Texas. But what I wrestle with is the redundancy of ministry that is in this nation. We have been saturated in so many ways with the gospel. And I think right now, one of the things that just sometimes I wrestle with, and I, I talk with my wife about it, honey, what are we doing here? Like when there's people like the Kurds and you know there's the Nepalese and there's people in the mountains of Syria and there's people that people that we don't even know their names or see their faces and in a year we're going to have their pictures on our refrigerator because we've met them and they're part of our life now and I wrestle with that like what do we, you know the redundancy of a ministry here in the United States so I have just resolved I've made it my ambition as Paul says here just to kick Texans out of Texas and go on the mission field and so if there's one thing that we can take away from this weekend with Heather, I'd really like to encourage us to, to just pray and think, how can I be a part of this? Maybe I can't go, but maybe I can pray. You know, we had, you know, Kylie couldn't go with us on the trip to to Kurdistan. And so she was just, she was our prayer back. She was just praying for us. Sorrel was praying for us. And I think that prayer means so much. And I'll finish with this. As it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And this, of course, reminds us of Isaiah 52, 15, where it says, So he, Christ, shall startle and sprinkle many nations, and kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they shall see, and that which they have not heard they shall consider and understand. Isaiah 66, 20, it says this, and we know that Isaiah is the chapter of, of, of God bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And it says in Isaiah 66, 20, And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots. And I was thinking, I was just thinking, you know, like after the woman broke the alabaster box, 
That was it. It was a one-time thing. And when we think about pouring out our life as a water offering, as a drink offering, and pouring oil on that pillar, that was a one-time deal with, with Jacob. And I think that when the woman broke the alabaster box over the, over the head of Christ, she walked away. That was a family heirloom. And I wonder what she was thinking as she was walking home. That was it. I, I cannot take that back. I can't put that back in the box. What has happened has happened, and it's something I could never, ever get back again. And I think about this a lot. When we walk by faith in the call of God that God has put on our lives, don't yield to the temptation to look back and say, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Because when you look at the sacrifices in the Old Testament, and when you look at the sacrifices in the New Testament, it's never about the sacrifice. And I'm a person that's not, I mean, I have no, I'm nowhere near, I've not suffered in any way close to what some people have suffered for the gospel. But when you ask that question, was it worth it? When you ask yourself that question, why? The most basic human question, why? Was it worth it? Was it worth it that I spent the years of my youth in some random place where nobody could ever even understand the value of what was poured out? Was it worth it that I spent all of my money and all of my and my inheritance for that just that few moments with Christ at his feet? Was it worth it? When we think about when we think about the when we think about those hard decisions and the things that we lose in our life that we can never ever get back, those years that we can never get back, was it worth it? You know, we get older. I mean, most of us in this room are young, but like we get older and we look back and we think, was it worth it? And you know what the answer is? The answer is Jesus Christ. It was worth it. There's a pillar that has water on it. There's a pillar that's got oil on it. There's something in my life that 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 moment of pr- promise that God that God that God reminds us of that pillar. And I was thinking about the pillar this morning. That's where Pete, that's where Paul was chained to a pillar, and he was beaten there. We were in Cyprus and we saw this pillar in the ground, and it was like this is where Paul was beaten for the gospel. Sometimes we're chained to that pillar. We can't get away from that pillar. And we're just chained to it. And we're just thinking, you know, is it worth it? You know, the answer is yes, Jesus Christ is worth it. And it's worth so much more. It's worth, it, and we can't even count the cost. I mean, it's, if it says in Song of Solomon that love, if you tried to purchase it, if you tried to win it, if you tried to in some way um, uh, buy its favor, it would laugh and it would mock, it would, la- would mock at you. When you think, when people ask you, why do you do what you do? We do it because there's a pillar in our life. There's a picture. There is Christ. There is something in our life that for us, we've been called into a priestly service. And to go wash up people's feet that have never sought the face of Christ, that will maybe never, ever say thank you. And that may actually, Paul says here in Philippians chapter 2, he says, I think, he says in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, I think that it might come down to this, that I might, my life might have to be poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it is, verse 5, he says, I'm going to be poured out. And when you think about it, when you think about it, and if we could have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and as we sang this morning, the throne room of Christ, I think that whatever you and I suffer for the gospel's sake, for the body's Christ, for whatever we go through, let's remember, let's look at Christ and look at, look at the sacrifice as something that is worth it. It's worth it. It really is worth it. And I said this before, and I'll say it again. 
I just the whole trip that we were there. And you know something, even here in the woodlands, there are times there's moments where I'm driving in my truck and I'm thinking, we get to do this. It's so hidden, it's so secret. It's like, you know, there's this little thing that God's little flock that we get to that we get to be in some way, we get to pastor these people, that we get to meet people like Heather and other people that that God is using around the world in their priestly in, in his priestly service for the gospel's sake, and it's worth it. And we get to do it. We're so privileged. We're so privileged. Now, don't dismiss it. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't look at your life as a waste. Don't double think. Don't look at the waves. Look at Christ as you're walking on the water. And we get to do something that no one else really... (laughs) You know, we get to do this. And it's such a privilege. Amen. Amen. So let's close in prayer. Um, Close my part in prayer. And we're going to see the video. God, we just thank you, Lord. In the simplicity of a floor in Kurdistan, the simplicity of a house in China, the simplicity of this room in the woodlands, that Christ is in our midst. And Lord, we get to pour out our lives on this pillar. We get to see it anointed. We get to value Christ. We get to see Christ. When, when, when it gets tough, when the details of life get ridiculous, when the domestic pressures come in so heavy, Lord, look, we look to Christ. We think this is worth it. This is worth it. Nothing that I could ever sacrifice could even come to an iota of the value and the beauty and the, and the, and the personhood of Jesus Christ, Lord. That, Lord, you would make us worshipers, that we would be at his feet as that woman that was a sinner known in the town, and that we would just disregard and that we would just not even hear the voices in our, in our head and the voices in other people that are coming at us saying, you are not worthy to do this. And guess what? We say, yeah, I'm not worthy to do this. You're exactly right. But in some way, I have had the favor of God come into our lives. Well, we just pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, that are just paying the ultimate sacrifice for knowing Christ, for their edification, Lord, for their encouragement, Lord. God, we just thank you, Lord, and we ask you that you would use us. Bless the rest of this little meeting as we gather around this open door to the Middle East and look at it with great expectation on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.